It's Tuesday, August 3rd here at Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to night one of the Draft Sharks Invitational. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me tonight are Jared Smola and Adam Krautwurst. And we are kicking off the second ever DS Invitational. As I said, this tournament was the brainchild of our friend Adam K. Adam, please tell the people what we're trying to accomplish with this. Uh, well, I have three children. I don't know how many brain children I have. This might be my own, my only one, but, um, hopefully they have their, their mother's brain actually, now that I think about it. Um, but yeah, the whole idea behind this competition was to get, uh, the best high stakes players we can find and the best analysts we can find, put them in a tournament together, a single entry tournament and see who comes out on top. So, um, uh, super excited to see all these guys drafting, uh, the cool thing about this is it's it's a very unique format, right? So it's it's super flex, it's best ball, it's tight end premium, and it's uh, twenty five rounds, I think. Um, and you also have to start three three receivers, so um, it's a unique format that um, there's nothing else out there like it um, to kind of even the playing field with with everybody. And uh, yeah, this is going to be fun. They're going to each and every night we're going to do this, and there's going to be different builds and different strategies that we're going to see so it's never going to get boring and um uh you know so I'm, I'm i'm excited yeah just like adam said we're going eight mile style here you only get one shot we debuted it last year five leagues 60 teams overall so each one's a 12 team league added a sixth a sixth league this year so it's up to 72 teams even tougher to win the top prize here are the specs adam went over most of them 25 round draft best ball scoring tight end premium that means one and a half points per per reception four tight ends, straight PPR for everybody else. You start two running backs, you start three wide receivers, the one tight end, two flex spots, and of course one of those can be a quarterback because it is a super flex league. That adds plenty of strategy to it. Jared, when there's a super flex spot, I mean, it basically just ends up being a two QB approach, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, But again, with the tight end premium scoring and the three wide receivers, I think think the goal here was to really try to balance out all the positions, you know, you get in a normal PPR draft, they're kind of all going to go the same way where you're going to get a whole bunch of running backs and wide receivers early. And the quarterbacks start going in round four or whatever with this format, there are, I think are so many different ways to build your team. And I was looking back at last year's results. So you know, our overall champion, Pete Overzet, he took a running back in round one. He didn't take his second running back until round 12. Then there was another team that won their league. It was uh Jay Reed and Scott Connor. They're chasing the helmet on Twitter, they didn't take their first wide receiver until round 13. So, you know, that, that just kind of goes to show that the different builds that can, you know, both have success in this format. Yeah. With all the variations in the lineup here, there's really no one way to go about it. And if most of the league is going in one direction, you might find yourself changing your strategy mid draft versus what you thought going in. Plus there's no real way to practice this because this is not a format that matches anything that you're playing anywhere else. So you can't go do a bunch of FFPC drafts. You can't do a, go do a bunch of um, best ball mania drafts and get ready for it. Everybody else here is experienced. They know how to do this. That's what makes it an, a unique draft and makes it a good challenge. Unlike most expert draft setups, of course, this is not just a for bragging rights or just for fun. Our boss, Lenny Papano, put up his own money for this. We've got a $250 prize to each of the six league winners, $2,000 top prize to the overall winner. As Jared said, that was Peter Overzet last year. Tonight, 
We're going to start to see who might be the candidates for the 2021 cash. Let's get to know this draft order before we get to some of the picks, which have started moving off the board. Picking first is Pat Thorman. He's a contributor at Establish the Run. He is a former analyst for Pro Football Focus, probably the oldest profile pick of any football guy on Twitter. And that is where he is at Pat underscore Thorman. Almost said the wrong last name for him. Bob Harris is picking second. He is an FSWA Hall of Famer who has been doing this fantasy stuff for a long time. A senior editor at Football Diehards. He is a host on Sirius XM Fantasy Radio. He is at Football Diehard on Twitter. Nelson Sousa is picking third. He is a longtime high-stakes player, finished second overall way back in the 2009 World Championship of Fantasy Football, of course. We're all familiar with that around here. Lenny Papano, our boss, the co-founder of that one. Nelson has also split four different contest championships in the NFFC and was the 2016 main event co-champion of the FFPC. You can now find him on Twitter at the the underscore franchise 12 and also contributing football content for FTN. Noah Riddell is an experienced high stakes player as well and best ball. He was a finalist in both of Underdog's big tournaments last year, a finalist in the Millie Maker on draft a couple years ago, and he reached the finals and drafts mega for both NFL and MLB, placing second in the baseball tournament. So not just a football guy here. He is at Noah Riddell, R-U-D-D-E-L-L on Twitter. Adam, I know you're familiar with those past two uh, high stakes players that I just mentioned. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, it's, it's exciting to see them in here. I love the, you know, love the high stakes guys. Nelson's always got his, his fade list that he, he puts out every year. Uh, find that super interesting. I'm all, I'm always ch- checking that out and uh, excited to have them both in, in the same draft. Yeah, it's fun to get to know some of these high stakes guys. You know, we see the picks, but we've got some in the Draft Sharks Discord. You follow them on Twitter. You kind of get to know their voices and their tendencies, the things they share or don't share every year. It's a it's a fun group to um, get involved with. Picking fifth on our board is Mike Randall. He's an analyst and podcast host for the Action Network, where he covers both fantasy football and college hoops. You can also find him on the Rotoviz Mailbox Pod. You can mail bag, that is, if you don't live out in the swamp. He's on Roto Underworld. He is on Last Word on Pro Football. He is at Randall Rant on Twitter. Ian Allen is picking right behind Mike Randall. He's the founder, publisher of Fantasy Index. Ian is a Hall of Famer in both the Fantasy Sports Writers Association and the Fantasy Sports and Gaming situation. <laughs> situation. Man, I'm going to have to check my dictionary and thesaurus if I'm going to do this stream for the whole hour, hour and a half that we're going to be on here. Anyway, <laughs> the FSGA used to be the FSTA. Ian Allen is a Hall of Famer in two different places, so he's been around fantasy for a while. He's been doing this since, since the rest of us thought spreadsheets was the way to make a bed. Jack Miller... Quick riser in the fantasy industry over the past couple of years. He contributes to Establish the Run and NBC Sports Edge, previously wrote for Rotoviz and 4 for 4. Jack Miller is the only one in tonight's group that was a league champ in the DS Invitational last year, finished number seven overall in 2020. He is at Jack Miller 02 on Twitter. Jared, um, did you see what Jack did to win his league last year by any chance? I did not, but I can look that up while you continue talking. <laughs> that would be something to check out. I think that he was. I think he got an early running back and then waited after that, if I remember correctly. But um, we'll see some of those results. Sigmund Bloom is up next. If you're watching this right now or listening to it afterward, you probably know who Sigmund Sigmund Bloom is, even if you think that his name starts with a Z like I apparently do. Officially, he's a co-owner at footballguys.com. He's been podcasting since before most of us knew what that even meant. And despite being in the game so long, 
he still has some of the freshest takes on things. He just looks at things in a different way on the fantasy football front. I could listen to Sigmund Bloom break down anything in fantasy, no matter what I thought about it going in and holds my interest. He's at Sigmund Bloom on Twitter. Next up, Sean Kerner is the director of predictive analytics for the Action Network and a mainstay around the top of the annual Fantasy Pros Expert Accuracy Rankings. Topped that field in 2015, 16, and 17. You can find him on the Action Network podcast with Chris Raybon. He's on Twitter at the underscore oddsmaker. We've got three more to go. Number 10 on the draft list, Elliot Christ is the chief operating officer for the FTN Network. He is a COO and CTO for Bets Media, formerly on a number of other sites. You can find his fantasy and betting content on FTN. He is at Elliot Christ on Twitter. Anthony Crescenzo is an experienced player with the NFFC, the 2019 NFFC primetime champion. He is among the top 20 all time in NFFC winnings. So clearly knows what he's doing on the football draft board. And then finally at the turn, it's Andrew Geller. He is at the underscore guilds on Twitter and in the draft sharks discord, an active member in there been playing the FFPC since 2014, multiple league titles in both the main event and the football guys players championship there. That's going to help his familiarity with the tight end premium format fifth overall in the 2019 NFFC online championship and Ninth overall in last year's Football Guys Players Championship. Uh, Adam, I know he's been a guest on the Deep End Pod with you and Mike Shope. Yeah, Gilds is uh, he's definitely the uh, the high six player we're looking for. He does high volume, high stakes. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know how we started last year, but uh, just looking at this draft board, it's 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 wild compared to like the normal superflex leagues. I was kind of surprised to see him go receiver receiver there, but. Uh, but hopefully it works out for him. Um, but yeah, he's been a great contributor in our draft sharks discord, super experienced, um, lots of, lots of information, lots of, of opinions, which is what you're looking for. Let's get to some of these early picks because I think that's what most people came here for. If they're watching the stream right now, we've got Pat starting things off with Christian McCaffrey, as you do in pretty much any draft Dalvin cook off the board. Number two to Bob Harris, Patrick Mahomes, the first quarterback goes third to Nelson Sousa. Then the fourth pick on the board is Alvin Kamara, Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey. We didn't see our second quarterback go until the ninth pick of round one. Jared, does that surprise you? It does. Cause to me in these uh, two quarterback super flex leagues, it's kind of a race to get one of those top four or five. I mean, to me it was five quarterbacks before all the Dak Prescott stuff. That shoulder thing has me a bit worried. So I, I, I wouldn't blame anyone for sort of knocking him out of that tier, but yeah, I mean, to me, after McCaffrey, Cook, and I think Kelsey, you know, in tight end premium, um, beyond those three, I- I'm looking to get one of those elite quarterbacks. I am surprised that guys like Devonta Adams, Aaron Jones, even Darren Waller, you know, went went ahead of those quarterbacks. Yeah, I'm on Fantasy Mojo right now. Uh, FantasyMojo.com. They do all the ADP stuff for FFPC, and um, I'm on their. Uh, you know, it's it's not the same, but I'm in their Superflex Best Ball um adp and normally seven quarterbacks go in the first round of those so i don't know and and that's tight end premium as well so um i would say that okay maybe it's the it's the the starting three wide receivers that pushes these quarterbacks down but there was only two receivers taken you know in the first round so i find this super interesting um that uh that only three quarterbacks went in the first it was no Riddell taking Alvin Kamara fourth overall after Patrick Mahomes was the first quarterback off the board. He then took another running back in round two, but we'll get to that 
in a few minutes. Mike Randall took Devontae Adams, then also went receiver in round two. So it's an interesting start to this format that we talked about already. Je- um, Ian Allen in that sixth spot took Travis Kelsey. I don't think that's a surprising pick. Jared, you mentioned him among the top options in a tight end premium. So to see him six off the board, even with just one quarterback gone, not really shocking given the format. Yeah, to me, even in two quarterback, if you're talking tight end premium, Travis Kelsey is a top four player to me um, alongside McCaffrey, Cook, and Patrick Mahomes. So good value there for Ian Allen. Aaron Jones to Jack Miller, definitely the most surprising pick of round one, you know, taking Jones at RB4. I did look at look at uh, Jack Miller's team from last year. He had a similar build to Overzet where he took one running back in the first round, Alvin Kamara, and did not take his second running back until round 11, didn't take his third running back until round 14. So, you know, we'll, we'll see if he's going to follow a similar strategy tonight and, you know, hope it works again for him. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind that. Um I don't really mind any any build in these in these formats. I, right. I think as long as you don't wait too long on quarterback, I think you'll be okay. Uh, but yeah, I think that one quarter, the one running backs uh, start uh, has obviously proven to be to be very strong if that one running back can can stay healthy, right? So um, I mean, I think I think Aaron Jones as the fourth overall running back's a little steep. I like Elliott, who went you know mid second over over Jones for for sure and Eckler, so um, so yeah I think but you know that's all it's, it's all preference we'll see how that plays out but I you know I really like Elliott Chris start see I don't play a ton of super flex right so I play mostly you know FFPC main events FFPC football guys and so whenever I get in a super flex if I have the chance to take quarterbacks early I will because it's fun and so I think Elliott Chris with the two quarterback start is pretty interesting um, and we'll see how we can build out from there. Yeah, and I'll be curious to see from there if he then bothers adding another quarterback of significance. I mean, he's already got two who are probably going to be starting every week, so I would assume that he'll be off of quarterback for quite a while, maybe throw in a third late just to cover injuries. Um, But I would assume that that's the strategy from that starting point. Jack Miller, as you mentioned, I mean, Aaron Jones, not only interesting given the importance of quarterbacks for the Superflex format, but interesting that Aaron Jones is the fourth running back off of this board. Jack Miller in the YouTube comments said that he got sniped on Kelsey, was hoping that he would get there. That was probably a dream when you're picking seventh. And so with that gone, figured he would be able to get a quarterback around the turn and then decided to plant his flag, in his words, on Aaron Jones. So clearly he's big on Aaron Jones this year. We're big on Aaron Jones, whether you have him fourth, sixth, whatever the specific spot, um, the upside has certainly been shown the past couple of years. Darren Waller, followed Aaron Jones off the board at number eight to Sigmund Bloom. And then it was Sean Kerner taking Josh Allen. So he's uh, Adam Krautworth's new favorite person now. Kyler Murray started that Elliott Chris team, as you mentioned, in the 10 spot. Then it was Derrick Henry and Tyreek Hill closing out round one. So we had three quarterbacks go in the round. And we also have had uh, a, a second drafter start with two running backs. I guess he was the one who did it first. Anthony Crescenzo at that 11 spot, followed Derrick Henry at 111 with Saquon Barkley uh, at the 202. Jared, what do you think about starting with two running backs in this format? Again, I think it's fine. We'll see where Anthony goes from here. I think when you start with two running backs, you kind of want to ignore the position you know, for the next handful of rounds because you're you know, assuming those two running backs are going to hit. You're assuming they're going to be at least top 10 guys and you're going to be using them in your starting lineup. You know, this is a best by league. So you're going to, you're assuming you're going to be lo- using them in, in their starting lineup for, you know, 80, 90% of the week. So we'll see where he builds from here. Uh, man, to me, Elliot Chris, that's just a, a dream 
start getting two of those elite quarterbacks. Again, I think to me, you know, beyond the top few picks, you you just want to grab as many of those top four or five quarterbacks as possible. Because I think, you know, I, I love Tom Brady this year. I, I like Aaron Rodgers, but to me, there's such a drop off in both weekly and season long ceiling between the Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, even Dak Prescott's and, and, you know, the Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady types. Yeah, it's, it's it's that rushing upside for for sure. Um, like you said, that that weekly upside. I mean, Brady has has weekly upside with the passing, but man, the 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 Lamar Jackson, you know, 150 yard rushing upside is is huge. And when you can pair him up with Kyler Murray, I mean, those are monster weeks. And we'll see what he does. I mean, he probably won't. If I was him, I wouldn't touch quarterback for the rest of the right. draft. Maybe you grab a you know a third one like a Sam Darnold or something later on, um, just just in case for injury, but. Even if it's it's hurt, you only have to start one quarterback. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, we'll see how the rest of it pans out. Yeah, I'm not even sure if I'd go for a third in the Sam Darnold range. I might even wait beyond that and take – I guess you don't want the backup for either of those guys. But, you know, taking a third at some point for some insurance. At last year, I remember some of the drafters talking about going running back heavy early, maybe being a differentiator. Or maybe it just turned out that way and people weren't expecting it to be a differentiator. But obviously the format – leaves room for lots of different kinds of builds. And right after Anthony Crescenzo with the two running backs that we just mentioned, it was the guilds at the turn with Tyree Kill and Stefan Diggs as his first two picks. Of course, it is full PPR. You do have to start three receivers. So, you know, similar to getting the two top shelf quarterbacks, he's got two top shelf wide receivers that can lay that base. That could be a position that he doesn't bother with for a while after that. It's about to come back to his turn at the end of round three, and we'll catch up on all the picks, but 11 quarterbacks off the board at that point. So you're still talking about the bottom of QB1 territory, and it is a best ball format. So, I mean, maybe we'll see the Guilds double up on quarterbacks at this turn if he likes that area of the position. Yeah, we'll see. This is where it gets tough for me because, again, I think there's such a drop-off between those you know elite quarterbacks in that next tier. So, like, to me, guys like Tom Brady, Matt Stafford, they feel a bit overvalued just compared to – you know, guys like uh, Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott who were going, you know, around round and a half earlier. Um, again, you know, I, you know, my general strategy in two quarterback super flex this year is to, again, try to get as many of those elites as possible. And if I don't get them, I'm trying to wait and grab, you know, the, the you know, third, fourth tier guys. I think I think that, you know, second, third tier is, is a bit overvalued. Yeah, and it depends on how many you're comfortable taking, right? So if you're comfortable taking three quarterbacks – then yeah, waiting for maybe that third tier and grabbing three of them. And it depends on where you're drafting, right? So if you're at the end of the draft at either end, one, two, 11 or 12, you know, if you wait and a quarterback run goes, you're screwed, you know? So you really got to, you know, Elliot was kind of there at the 10 spot, you know, it was like, I mean, and those were kind of no brainer picks, but you know, even Pat Thorman's like, I got to get at least one quarterback here or I might get, you know, I might, I might not get one, you know? So um, I think it's, you know, where, where you draft has a lot to do with it too. I haven't done a whole lot of super flex drafting so far this year. So it'll help me to be able to watch the first four leagues before I draft my DS invitational league. But I, I might also get in a practice or two on FFPC and a super flex best ball to kind of get my bearings for this one. Um, we'll catch up with the picks. Now we mentioned around the one, two turn, we had Stefan Diggs and then Saquon Barkley. It was Lamar Jackson following Kyler Murray off the board for Elliot Chris's team. Then we had George Kittle as the third tight end off the board. He went to Sean Kerner's team. Uh, Dak Prescott went to Sigmund Bloom after that. He is the fifth quarterback off the board. Then Russell Wilson, QB6, to Jack Miller. So Jack said that when he made his first round pick, 
he felt pretty good about a quarterback getting back around to him. I would bet that Russell Wilson was kind of the end of that group where he was hoping to get one to him. Cause I do think that there's, I mean, I guess you could say Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are similarly placed in what we can expect from them. But I think there's a little bit higher ceiling on Russell Wilson. That's probably not even fair actually coming off the season that Aaron Rodgers just had last year. Yeah. See, I, I think Jack and Sigmund got pretty fortunate that, you know, Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson, made it back to them if I was if yeah. I was drafting where they were I would have been grabbing a quarterback there I mean you know J- Jack might have been able to get Josh Allen or whoever his quarterback two was in the first round and, and still get Aaron Jones in the second but you know regardless I, I like I, th- I think Jones and Russell Wilson is, is a solid start yeah especially with only you know there was only one quarterback gone by the time Jack picked so maybe he thought um he could he could wait it out uh, and hey, and it ended up working out as long as you know Wilson was in that tier for him. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and whether it was Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, maybe it was Justin Herbert. Maybe that was the group of seven where he felt pretty good about one getting back to him. Worked out as far as we know, um, without knowing his specific uh, preferences at quarterback. Ian Allen followed Jack Miller's pick with. Zeke Elliott, he's the seventh running back off the board, right in the middle of round two. So that gives him a Travis Kelsey, Zeke Elliott start. It was Calvin Ridley to Mike Randall's team at the fifth overall pick. So he took Devontae Adams in round one, brought it back around with Calvin Ridley, who was the fourth wide receiver off the board. He's through three picks at this point and still doesn't have a quarterback. The guy right next to him, Miller Riddell, also doesn't have a quarterback yet. He followed Kamara with Austin Eckler, as we mentioned going to be a lot of receptions between those two running backs mm-hmm. at the very least. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that start at all. I mean, for, for sure. And I even like, you know, the the, the Gibson-Edwards-Alaire situation with Mahomes. You know, he got he got that stack. And then what's interesting to me is, will Edwards-Alaire get more catches this year? I mean, I feel like the big um, thing on him coming out of college, the edge that I thought he might have had was that he was a really good pass catcher. And they never really, you know, overutilized him in, in that role. Um, you know, Jared and I were talking earlier, like imagine if they would have taken like Jonathan Taylor or DeAndre Swift or something instead of Edwards Alaire, like how insane, you know, that, I mean, that, that's probably the one Oh two pick this year, if they have one of those guys as, as, as they're running back. So, uh, hopefully Edwards Alaire can, can get better and get a little more luck around the goal line. And, um, and that pick could smash. And I like I like the stack with, with Mahomes. After Austin Eckler. So you mentioned him, Nelson Sousa took Mahomes in round one. Antonio Gibson in round two, then took Clyde Edwards Elair in round three. Now, Jared, is that stack the quarterback with the number one running back one that you would shoot for in this range? Yeah, I mean, to me, he took Edwards Elair a few running back spots higher than I have him, you know, RB ten. But I don't think he, he, you know, reached significantly for either of those guys. And there definitely is some correlation because, you know, we, we know Everett Delaire is going to do some stuff in the passing game. And, you know, taking a couple of cheese through their first three picks is, is never a bad idea. So I, I like the move there by Nelson. I, I would say I think there are very few offenses where I would make that kind of attempt. I did so with Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott from the Cowboys in my main event draft a few weeks ago. I think Kansas City is an offense that you can make a case for it. I think in general – what I've seen is that it's not likely that you're going to get a top five quarterback and a top five running back season from those early picks from the same team in the same season. So it kind of caps your upside when you're looking at large field tournament. But like I said, Kansas City, one of those offenses, I think it, it has a chance of working. Bob Harris, the second pick in round one, followed Dalvin Cook with a couple quarterbacks. 
Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. So clearly Bob Harris, one of our older drafters, just looking for guys that are contemporaries for him. <laughs> hey, you know, both the, both those, uh, you know, 55-year-old quarterbacks were like top eight fantasy quarterbacks last year, so not a bad move. I Absolutely. think if, if he wins this, I can picture them all smoking pipes and wearing uh, sweaters with leather patches on the elbows at the end. <laughs> Pat Thorman, the leadoff guy in the draft, followed Christian McCaffrey with DeAndre Hopkins, who was the fifth wide receiver off the board. Then Justin Herbert to start round three. That was the eighth quarterback and preceded the Tom Brady pick. So that's the kind of mixing it up at the beginning that you guys have been talking about. And Justin Herbert wasn't a huge runner last year, a little bit inflated on the touchdown run category, but does have that rushing upside. So how do you like that start, Jared? And did you see that like 70 yard bomb that Herbert threw in uh, camp that day? That was, that was pretty. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm super high on the chargers offense. You know, I think they got an upgraded offense coordinator with, Joe Lombardi. So I think, you know, Herbert at quarterback eight is, you know, a nice value to get him, you know, at the, at the two, three turn after taking McCaffrey. And that, that seems to be the general strategy. If you're picking one this year, that I've seen in a lot of, you know, FFPC drafts in particular is to take McCaffrey, sort of let him be your anchor at running back and then kind of ignore running back for at least the next few rounds and kind of try to you know, load up on the other positions and just assume McCaffrey is going to you know, be that stud for you at running back. Well, I think what happens there too, is that there's, to me, what I've noticed is there's pretty significant tier breaks, right? So, like, if um, – I mean, it's hard to tell from this draft because it's super flex, but generally, like, if all the running – so if I pick one overall and I go McCaffrey, if all the running backs are gone and my tier is, is that, like DeAndre Swift, I'll usually just pass and take receivers. Mm-hmm. But I think if you can get one of those, normally it's like Aaron Jones, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. If you can get one of those guys to fall, that's always sweet. Um, but to me, there's a pretty uh, not significant, but to me, the, the the tier break is there where it's hard to pass on, you know, DK Metcalf for DeAndre Swift, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but in hey, in, in, in super flex, it's different. And look at that, Cecilia Lamb, the four or five turn. I mean, normally he's a first round pick these days, isn't he? <laughs> I think he's the number one wide receiver in football at this point, actually. That's I right. That's right. right. Yeah, so following the Herbert and Tom Brady picks at the top of round three, we mentioned Clyde Edwards-Elair. A.J. Brown went to Noah Riddell's team, who opened with the two running backs. So he went uh, Kamara, Eckler, A.J. Brown, another wide receiver, which we'll get to in round four. Uh, Mike Randall followed that with Nick Chubb. He is also through four picks without a quarterback to this point. Um, well, so we have a quarterback now for Noah Riddell. So why don't we break down his team instead of continuing with the picks in order. Adam, we've got... Alvin Kamara, we've got Austin Eckler, we've got A.J. Brown, we've got Terry McLaurin as the 10th wide – no, I'm sorry. Yeah, 10th wide receiver off the board uh, it, with the fourth from the last pick in round four. Then he took – was it Ryan Tannehill? I'm having trouble reading the small – no, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Yeah. 16 in round five. Adam, what do you think of Noah's team so far? Yeah, I really like – I mean, I, Kamara is going to be – you know, he's going to get a ton of, of, of work there now. And so Camaro is a fine, a fine pick. I mean, I, I don't have him as my RB three, but that's, that that's fine. Eckler. I mean, I love, I love Austin Eckler uh, PPR monster. He could finish top five f- for sure uh, as a, as a running back, AJ Brown, fine McLaurin. I'm actually, I'm, I'm high on McLaurin this year. Every time I target him in the third round though, I can never get him. He always goes like a pick in front of me. So I, l- I like that start. The problem you have with that is now your QB one is Matt Ryan, right? In the super flex. So, you know, if he he's going to need to, I think, take three, mm-hmm. depending on who. I mean, he took him as QB sixteen, right, in the fifth round. So, mm-hmm. you know, and there's still, you know, twelve picks or more until it gets back to him. So, 
uh, and he doesn't have a tight end yet either. Um, so, so yeah, we'll see uh, about about the starts. Um, I like the first four picks. I like the actual players, but as far as the, the the roster build, let's see if he can get a couple more QBs. We are in the middle of round five. We just had a burst of picks at the board, so it's kind of the board's mm-hmm. catching up with picks as they're being made. Um, Mike Randall also arrived in round five without a quarterback, also took his first one at that spot. So let's recap what he's got to this point. Devontae Adams in round one, Calvin Ridley in round two, Nick Chubb in round three, Chris Carson in round four, who I always like, especially in round four, RB 16 off the board here, which I think is below is well below what his ceiling is for this year. Certainly a fair price in terms of draft ADP. And then Tua Tango Vailoa, as QB 17 round five, Jared, what do you think of Mike's team so far? Yeah. Similar build to Noah, right. Where, you know, Mike started two wide receivers versus Noah's two running backs, but you know, they both wait till round five to take their first quarterback. I, I'm with Adam. I, I think if these guys can get three locked in starting quarterbacks or even guys you expect to start the majority of the weeks, like you know, I'd be fine taking Justin Fields as quarterback two or quarterback three for one of these teams. But if they can get three locked in starters, um, I think they can, survive at quarterback and just, you know, hope those running backs and wide receivers sort of beat the, beat the rest of the league. And Mike Randall just said in the YouTube chat that he thought a quarterback was going to make it back who did not and just got picked later in that fifth round. We'll get to who that is in a minute, but moving on with the round three picks, we had Matthew Stafford come off the board as QB 10 to Ian Allen's team. He followed with another quarterback the next round. Uh, Jack Miller took DK Metcalf as the seventh wide receiver off the board, which Solid value for DK Metcalf, I would say, especially following Russell Wilson. So you like that stack to help build the base for Jack's team right there. Joe Mixon, the 12th running back taken. That went to Sigmund Bloom after Darren Waller in round one, Dak Prescott in round two. Jalen Hurts, the 11th quarterback to Sean Kerner's team. He opened quarterback, tight end quarterback. So that's certainly not a build that you're going to see in any other format, right, Adam? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's all. This is why I love this format. And just to see the different, you know, the different builds that all these guys are doing. Like normally, I can sit in front of an FFPC draft and just I can almost tell you who the next guy is is, is going to pick. Mm-hmm. But here, it's so cool to see like the different uh, the ways that guy that the guys are building it. And um, yeah, I like J- Jack Start. Um, you know, I love Hawkinson this year. He's actually my tight end three. So I love, uh, I love that he got him as his tight end five and. Yeah, I'm 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 interested to see where he goes from there. He was able to get Trey Lance, which is pretty awesome. Uh, QB 18. Uh, he's been having he's been having a good camp. So um, so yeah, we'll see if if they can um, if he's okay with that and just and just staying there and leaving uh, that as it is. Um, and it's interesting to see Gallup. You know, I'm surprised that there's not more receivers taken. So you have to start three. And so I thought they would kind of fly off the board a little bit more. I thought it'd be more of a of a quarterback receiver heavy draft and it's and it's just running backs galore uh crescenzo with four of them through five five rounds and um and guilds has none through six so it's, it's going to be interesting it's especially fun to watch two builds like that happen right next to each other right <laughs> and then wonder if either is going to benefit or by the end of the season they're just both sitting in the middle and it was talking about it for no reason but it's fun to watch as it happens and then see it play out jonathan taylor Went with the 10th pick of round three, RB 13. So, yeah, it's one draft, but I wonder if we're starting to see the slide for him given the injuries in Indy. We had Carson Wentz with the foot injury. We had Quentin Nelson, such a big Carson Wentz fan that he decided to get the same foot injury. So both of those guys are out for a little while. If you are a football player in Indianapolis, you should probably have your feet up for the next few weeks. 
Uh, what, what do you think, Jared? Is Jonathan Taylor going to fall out of round one? And- he might. Uh, I think he he should. Uh, I'm not taking him in round one right now. Um, I, that, I was curious to see where he was going to go. I was curious to see where the Cowboys were going to go with the Dak Prescott shoulder thing. It doesn't, you know, Prescott and, and uh, C.D. Lamb, I, you know, I don't think they, they were discounted at all here. Uh, Jonathan Taylor definitely was. You know, he, he's been a top 10 running back in ADP, a top eight running back in ADP for a lot of the spring and summer. Um, I'm concerned. You know, Quentin Nelson is a big loss. Ryan Kelly has been sidelined in training camp with an injury. We don't know much about still, but we'll see on that. So, you know, Colts O-line, which, you know, looked like one of the best in the league, has some question marks at this point. And then the Carson Wentz injury. I mean, Jonathan Taylor needs positive game script to be, you know, an elite back. Because I, I think he's still going to lose that, you know, catch up passing down stuff to Naheem Hines. So, you know, the Wentz injury, if, if they're forced to go with Jacob Eason for any part of this season, I think I think that's bad news for JT. Or Nick Foles' time. That's going to be fun. They're already talking. He's already talking to the Colts practically in uh, in Bears press conferences. Let's move to Anthony Crescenzo's team because he's next in round three. Plus, he's through six picks now and still does not have a quarterback. So we've got Derrick Henry. We've got Saquon Barkley. We've got Keenan Allen, his third-round pick. Then Miles Sanders, Chase Edmonds in round five, and Chris Godwin around the round six turn. So, I mean, certainly building – Nice group, a strong group of running back. I would assume that he's done at this point, or at least close to done with running back. Um, two good receivers to start things out, but hasn't hit quarterback, which you're probably going to want to start two of them as often as possible. Hasn't hit tight end yet, which is a higher value position here than most formats. Adam, does this one make you nervous, this kind of build? Yeah. Sorry, are you talking about Crescenzo? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, if you have to ask me in, in, in a regular draft, I lean more towards zero RB than I do robust running back, just because you want to fill those flex spots with like the highest scoring players. And generally those are going to be re- receivers for where you have to draft them. Um, so yeah, this, this build would scare me, you know, it would make more like sense to me if like running backs were falling, you know what I mean? Like and he was able to get some crazy value, but I just feel like um, I'm not a huge Chase Edmonds fan. Sanders is, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sold on that situation yet, although he has been catching a lot of passes in camp, which is, which is great. Um, but yeah, this, this, this roster construction, you know, he, he lucked out a little bit. Like I love, I like Godwin more than, more than Chase and Jones, you know, Jared, me, you and Gilge are going to have to fight over this whole Jamar Chase situation he's got going on. But um, uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, he kind of lucked out there getting Godwin, which is great. But he's going to – I don't know what he's going to do at quarterback. Um, for, me, for me, the curious picks are Miles Sanders because he was the 14th running back off the board here. So that's ahead of where he is in positional ADP. Chase Edmonds um, also ahead of posi- where he is positional ADP. And it, instead of Edmonds, you could have had like Baker Mayfield as your first quarterback and, and saved that running back spot for another one later on. Um, in Let's see – could have taken Kirk Cousins at the Miles Sanders spot was the next quarterback off the board. So, you know, we'll see how it works out. But I, I would say those are the two spots that I would question in particular so far. Yeah, I, I have an issue with taking any player in the first five or six rounds that, like, can't start for you. What I mean by that is, like, this league you start two running backs and you have, uh, you know, that flex spot. Well, I guess with a super flex spot, you can start for running backs, right? So I, I guess that makes a bit more sense here, but still like, you, you don't want a running back in that flex spot. So basically that Chase Edmonds pick, he's you know taking a bench player in the fifth round. So that that's, that's kind of my issue with the strategy. Um, you know, there are still like 10 
you know, quote unquote locked in starting quarterback. So maybe he can get two, three of them. We'll see how it ends up. But yeah, de- definitely not not how I'd be building my roster in this league. Maybe we've got a, a closet Ryan Fitzpatrick fan. Or I, you know, I don't know Anthony very well. Maybe he's not in the closet. Maybe he's just an unabashed lover of <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick, which I think most of us are. Um, right after him, the guilds, we talked about his start with two wide receivers not taking a quarterback in the first two rounds. He then came back at the three-four turn and took Joe Burrow and Ryan Tannehill. Adam, does that make you feel better about starting with no quarterback in the first two rounds? What do you think of Burrow and Tannehill as his top two quarterbacks? Yeah, I liked I liked that a lot. He he waited, he showed patience, and it, and it definitely worked out for him. And those were probably the two guys I would have taken too. So yeah, I like I like that start for him a lot, and I like that he's sticking with the strategy um, of of the four receivers, two you know two quarterbacks, and he's just going to wait on running back. You know, so um, yes, yeah, stick stick with the strategy. I wouldn't have chosen the two receivers he did at the five six, but. You know, whatever. Um, I like I like the strategy and Burrow Tannehill is a nice a nice combo there. Yeah, I, I think waiting on those two quarterbacks at that spot is probably it probably landed about as well as he could have hoped for it to be. Jared, you know that I started draft season way out on Joe Burrow because of the knee stuff. I did look further though into the performance of quarterbacks and their returns from ACL tears and found that it really wasn't as big a worry as I thought it was. And then when you consider his likely regression on touchdowns versus last year, the talent he has around him, I'm now okay with Joe Burrow in that range. And I think he and Ryan Tannehill together here as the top two quarterbacks for a team that started with a couple of top tier wide receivers is a nice way to, to build this team. Yeah, all positive on Burrow's recovery from the ACL. Uh, it was actually a multi-ligament uh, injury. It sounds like he actually added some arm strength this offseason, loaded group of pass catchers. O-line's still a concern, but I think, you know, it's funny. As you've come up on Burrow, his ADP has actually come down a bit. You know, he, he was going in the top 10 among quarterbacks this spring. Now he's kind of going where, uh, where Gills took him here around quarterback 12. But, yeah, so he gets Burrow and Tannehill there as his top two quarterbacks, and then he comes back and he stacks them both with Julio yeah. Jones, Jamar Chase in the next two rounds. So, you know, I don't I don't like Chase at wide receiver 16. A lot of smart drafters do, so I might be wrong on him. Um, but, it, you know, at least he got he got the stack with uh, Chase and Burrow there. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed that after uh, after I commented. So I, I get that. But but this isn't like a – like I think stacking is, is best used in like large field tournaments, and this really isn't one. So I don't think you necessarily have to stack. I think it's nice. And if you like – you know, if you like those receivers and it fits in with your with your quarterbacks and it works for you, then then then, then awesome. You know, um, but I don't think you necessarily have to stack in this. Yeah, to me, Chase as the 16th wide receiver is a little bit of reaching to complete that stack, which can kind of negate the value. But, you know, we, we don't really have precedent on Chase missing the year coming into Cincinnati, maybe he's the number one wide receiver right away. We'll see how it goes. We could quibble about specific players at any spot, um, but we'll see how the team plays out. Going back oh, back the other way in the draft, because we just talked about the two teams at that turn, um, Elliot Christ picking after uh, Geller and Crescenzo when you go back in round four. He had the Jonathan Taylor pick that we talked about before, Justin Jefferson in round four, then followed with Allen Robinson, and DJ Moore is the 18th wide receiver off the board. I got to think he's probably happy with the wide receivers that made it to him after he avoided that position for the first three picks. What do you think, Jared? Yeah, I think Elliott's crushing this draft, again, to get Kyler and Lamar, you know, to get two of those elite quarterbacks. To get Jonathan Taylor at RB13, like I said, I have my concerns with him, but at RB13, I think that's a fair price. That's about where he should be going, so that that's nice. And then 
Justin Jefferson, wide receiver nine. I think that's a couple spots cheaper than he should be. Allen Robinson, you know, to me, he's a top 10 wide receiver. He's been a top 10 wide receiver the past two years with crap at quarterback. And I think, I think whether it's Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, he's going to get better quarterback play this season. So I think he's a steal at wide receiver 14. And then DJ Moore at wide receiver 18 is, is just fine. So I, I, I love Elliott's start. Yeah, by the way, Allen Robinson came off the board after Adam Thielen in this one. Adam Thielen, the 13th wide receiver off the board to Ian Allen's team in the middle of round five. So that's a surprising move. I would take Allen Robinson over several of the wideouts that wound up going ahead of him here. Um, Looking at Sean Kerner's team, we had – let's see if I can try to read it. We had Najee Harris as the 15th running back off the board. So we've talked about some guys being reached for and other guys falling. Najee Harris at RB15 is nice value versus where he tends to go and wrapping up Sean Kerner's team to this point. We've got the Josh Allen start. We've got George Kittle as the third tight end, the gap between him and the rest of the position. Jalen Hurts, certainly some risk, but also upside as the second quarterback in round three and the 11th quarterback off the board. Then Najee Harris and DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift, you know, still have my doubts about, but RB20 in this draft, uh, Adam, it seems like Sean Kerner's getting some good value on these guys. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, RB20 sweet. I mean, I was looking at the the ADP, uh, like I said, a fantasy mojo. Normally he goes early two, three, like mid-fourth. He got him here in the fifth. So I think that's that's pretty awesome. And listen, for, for Swift, like I know some people have him completely faded. Some people really like him. Like I think there's a path for him to be awesome. Like I think there's a path for him to be, you know, um, Alvin Kamara-esque. You know, if, if he's the pass catching back there and they're always losing – there's a shot at him getting a ton of, of, of catches. So um, he's a guy that, although I don't love, I have been taking some just in, you know, just in case. So, yeah, to get him there at RB20 is awesome. Uh, alongside of a workhorse back like Najee Harris, just to get two possibly top eight quarterbacks, you know, a top three or four tight end, uh, and to still get Robert Woods and, and, and Robbie Anderson, who I know draft sharks were, you know, were very high on both those guys. So uh, I really like Sean's start. Um, and I re- like Jared said, I love Elliott start um, for sure. Um, and to kind of go back to, to, to Noah Riddell, he was able to get that Justin Fields piece there. So um, that ends up helping him out to be able to get at least one more QB. Fields, you know, Fields has a top eight upside too. Um, and Crescenzo is just refusing to take quarterbacks. So this is going to be interesting. I think Adam's got a date. He's trying to push me ahead to future picks every time I go to him. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Well, we'll be curious to hear tomorrow what your plans were for after DS Invitational Night 1. We'll probably stay on this, by the way, for somewhere in between an hour and an hour and a half. We're already almost an hour into the thing, so I think it's probably going to be closer to the hour and a half end. But we'll, we'll stay with this at the very least through 10, 11 rounds each night. We've got tonight, we've got tomorrow night, we've got Thursday, and then next week we're also going Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So you're probably going to be sick of all of us um, by the end of that, if not by the end of tonight. But, you know, let's hope we keep it fresh for at least tonight. So getting back to the pick, Sigmund Bloom took his second tight end just three rounds after taking Darren Waller in round, in round one. He took Kyle Pitts. I know he's big on seeing the vision for Kyle Pitts. <laughs> I, I personally don't see it at the tight end four level. I don't see it stacking him with Darren Waller, but we do have the tight end premium. We do have the two flex spots. So if you're going to do it somewhere, this is a spot to do it. I think in this particular case, you had to pass on, you know, not exciting quarterbacks, but Kirk Cousins, Trevor Lawrence were the next two QBs off the board when Kyle Pitts went in round four. Jared, what do you think of that move? I don't hate Pitts in round four and tight end premium. I, you know, I prefer TJ Hawkinson 
but it's close. I mean, I think Hawkinson to me is a better bet for Valium, but I think, you know, Pitts is in the better offense. He's probably better touchdown bet because of that. I, I swear every Kyle Pitts highlight I see from training camp, he split out wide. So, you know, I'm, I, I, I do believe he's, you know, basically going to be playing wide receiver for Atlanta and really, you know, he, he should finish second on that team in targets this season. Yeah, I don't have a lot. I I say I don't have a lot. I don't think I really have any pits, um, but I think I do want some shares because, um, yeah, like you said, Jared, I think he's going to be playing receiver for, for, for them. Um, a guy I've, I've been taking actually a lot of is, is, is Hayden Hurst because I really think that, you know, if if Pitts is split out wide, I think Hurst is going to stay a tight end, obviously. So he's got some upside in that, you know, he's going in like the 17th round in these FFPC tight end premiums. So um, I think he's a nice I think he's a nice shot there. TJ Hawkinson, as you mentioned, went off the board right after Kyle Pitts. Um, I certainly prefer Hawkinson as well, but, you know, it's uh, I'm not going to argue with you if you just say you prefer Kyle Pitts. Kirk Cousins came off the board the next pick. He was the second quarterback for Ian Allen's team following Matthew Stafford. Ezekiel Elliott, Travis Kelsey, his previous picks. He then took uh, Adam Thielen in the next round as the 13th wide, wide receiver off the board, as we mentioned. Tyler Lockett, Brandon Ayuk after that. So he's got... He's got a plan going there. Tight end first, then a stud running back, two quarterbacks, three wide receivers. There's a pattern forming on Ian Allen's team. What do you think about his team so far, Jared? Ian's team's fine. I want to go back to Jack Miller's team because um, I <laughs> Jones a bit early for me, but again, you know the fact that he got Wilson in round two, I think yeah, I like that start. He gets the stack with Metcalf and Wilson. Love that. Gets Hawkinson at tight end five. Love that. Trey Lance to me at quarterback eighteen. That to me, that's the best value at quarterback in this draft so far. Everything out of Niners camp is that Lance has been outplaying Garoppolo so far. And, and Shanahan is saying that, you know, Garoppolo is still a starter. If this keep, keeps up, he's not going to be able to keep Garoppolo out of the starting lineup from week one. So, and, and, you know, and if Lance starts all all season, I think he is, is a good bet for top 10 numbers because of the rushing. And, you know, he has top five upside because of that rushing and because of the weapons in San Francisco. So love that pick from Jack. He could have got the double stack, though, with the Seattle wide receivers with Tyler Lockett in round six, I, I would have gone that direction. I was kind of disappointed he didn't. I should probably be happy that he didn't because, you know, I, I ultimately have to beat Jack's team in this contest. But, you know, he, he ended up taking his third quarterback in Baker Mayfield there over Tyler, Tyler Lockett. And Jack is definitely going with, you know, the same strategy he did last year when he won his league where he, he took the elite running back in round one and this and then just ignored the position for the next 10 or so rounds. I like taking Baker Mayfield to ensure the Trey Lance pick the next round, because even if we don't get Trey Lance as a starter to begin the season, I agree there's huge upside to him, but now you still have those two quarterbacks to open the season, even if you don't have Lance. And obviously if you have three of them, then you're going to get starting weeks from all of them yeah. throughout the year in those spots. Yeah. I, I just think he could have waited to the seventh round to get, you know, that, that third quarterback, but Jack's smarter than I am. So <laughs> I wonder too if the two wide receivers with the quarterback would be a little bit of overkill in what's like a a small field tournament, as as Adam kind of alluded to. It's yeah. not, you know, you're not beating two thousand other teams. You're just trying to beat seventy one other teams here. Yeah, maybe, but I think you know, Lockett at wide receiver twenty one is a value. You know, even outside of the stack, mm-hmm. and that's such a concentrated passing game where you know, you know, Lockett and Metcalf are going to combine for about half of the targets there. Yeah, so you're saying that's one of the few offenses where you might make a, a push like that? Yes, for sure. Yeah, I can get behind that. Um, so we talked about Jack's team, talked about Ian's team there. Uh, after that, Mike Randall took his first quarterback, as we mentioned, in round five. That was Tua. Followed that with Cooper Cup at wide receiver 22, a good wide receiver value. He's got three wideouts on his team. 
Still got Nick Chubb and Chris Carson in rounds three and four. Now has two quarterbacks on his roster as well. Took Ryan Fitzpatrick in round seven, reunited him with Tua Tagovailoa. So that should – I wonder if that's going to backfire on him, though, because it's going to make Tua nervous throughout the season to have Fitzpatrick close behind him. Yeah. It should. Are we worried about this? It should. <laughs> Logan, I, I should say, anytime you have somebody with that kind of beard behind you, it should make you nervous, whether he's around <laughs> you for your job or not. Um, Logan Thomas, the first tight end for Mike Randall's team in round eight, um, followed that Fitzpatrick pick. So Mike Randall's got Devontae Adams, Calvin Ridley, Nick Chubb, Chris Carson, Tua, Cooper Cup, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas, a tight end eight's a bit early for me. What do you think about him this year, Adam? I don't know if I've heard from you on Logan Thomas. Yeah, there's nothing to hear from me on Logan Thomas. I, I, I don't know. I feel like he's just, you know, a splash guy, like a one-year one. I mean, former Bills, former Bill there. Uh, so I am familiar with him. But it's not like I've been targeting. I've either been targeting like the elite tight ends slash Hawkinson up, up at the top, or I'm waiting and, and maybe taking Tyler Higby in that range or – or punting and taking two or three later on. So um, I just feel like that that range of tight end is just hard. It's unpredictable. You, know, you don't really know. Um, so, I mean, he stacked them. And there's a lot more, you know, there's a lot of talent there, right? So there's Gibson can catch, McLaurin, Curtis Samuel. There's just not going to be the targets he was getting last year. So uh, I've just been kind of fading him. Yeah, he particularly beefed up his target count later in the season when they had some injuries, um, both at running back and wide receiver spots. Terry McLaurin went down for a little bit of time. So Logan Thomas was a big volume eater. I feel a little bit better about him since they extended his contract, but it also wasn't a huge extension. So it's not like they consider him a cornerstone. They're just keeping him around. I, I think he's okay at the bottom of tight end one range. I think it's a little bit early for him here, but you know, obviously can't complain too much about a round eight tight end and tight end premium. Following Logan Thomas was Michael Carter, and that was the Justin Fields team that Adam wanted us to get too much earlier, but I'm going to take my time getting there, Adam. I'm not going to go over the speed limit. We've got Noah Riddell's team now. He was through four picks without a quarterback. It was Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin starting things off, then Matt Ryan is QB 16. Not the guy that I would pick at quarterback because I don't like Matt Ryan this year, but you know, tough to argue too much with him as QB 16. But now we're kind of seeing what you have to do when you don't get a quarterback early in the Superflex format. So in between Matt Ryan, Justin Fields as the 20th quarterback, took T. Higgins, Michael Carter, Jerry Judy as the 40th wide receiver, yeah. so good value there. But specifically with the quarterbacks, Jared, do you think that if you were in Noah's spot now, would you regret not taking quarterback earlier? No, but I would have taken one with one of those next two picks. Um, and I'm not sure who it would be. I don't have my rankings in front of me, but – do you think that not Fields. taking Ryan Fitzpatrick instead of Justin Fields to stack with Terry McLaurin was a mistake there? No, I don't. Cause I, I like fields. You know, there's enough of a gap for me between fields and Fitz that I would have ignored the stack and taken fields there. But again, I just, I would have taken a third quarterback and maybe he's still going to get one here in the 10th or 11th. Um, but I just think, you know, there is a chance and, you know, the more, the more I hear out of Chicago, you know, they, they seem like they might be stubborn and, you know, stick with Andy Dalton for too long. So there's a chance that, you know, we don't see fields until the second half of the season. Oh my God. I hope, I hope that we don't get that, but I, 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 I have to remember that the bills chose to start Nathan Peterman over Josh Allen. Ooh. That lasted about 12 minutes. The <laughs> Texans decided to start Tom Savage over Deshaun Watson. That lasted about 15 minutes. I mean, granted, Andy Dalton is a much better player than either of those guys, but I, I can't 
I, it hurts me to know that it's possible that we get 14 starts from Andy Dalton this year. It, it, it takes some of my heart every time that I read something along those lines. You have to remember, man, coaches aren't very smart. They just know the right people. Okay. Like, and then they stay in the circle for 50 years. Okay. Like, uh, uh, just I, I have to remind myself too, every time that it comes up, I, I scoff at it. And then I'm like, well, wait a second. He comes from the same team that did this with Patrick Mahomes, sat him behind Alex Smith and watched it work. So, I mean, it shouldn't be shocking if we get a Patrick Mahomes first season from Justin Fields. I still hope it doesn't happen. I'm not going to bet that he sits all season because I don't think that this Bears team will be as good as that Chiefs team was. But I have to remind myself that it is a possibility. Yeah, I mean, Alex Smith was good for that Chiefs team, and I, I believe yeah. they made the playoffs that year, right? So, like, yes. I have no issue even with starting at Andy Dalton the first few weeks. And if he's playing well and they're winning, stick with them. I, I kind of don't expect that to happen. And if they're not winning, if he's not playing well, then you got to move to fields. I hope, you know, I hope we at least see him in that case. Yeah, a couple of things on this team too. So Fields at QB20. So in um, the FFPC Superflexes, he's going at the 4-5 turn, Justin Fields is. So to get him in the mid-seventh is pretty sweet, uh, QB20. And I think, uh, Jared, I know you mentioned him taking another quarterback. That Jerry Judy wide receiver 40 is absurd. So, like, I don't think I would pass on Jerry Judy wide receiver 40. I think I would have taken Judy, and then maybe he's just going to take Dalton, like, when he thinks it's time. And then he's he's got his you know his Ryan and then his Field slash Dalton for a second quarterback. So, um, I I mean I would never be able to pass on Judy as wide receiver forty. No, I think Michael Carter at running back twenty nine would have been the one to pass on. Sure, yeah, I, I would have right. I would have passed on Carter before Judy yeah. for sure. The the problem at quarterback now is like no one sticks out, mm-hmm. so he's probably just like hoping he's going to wait, 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 and you know one of these guys who is, is just going to be on the field will kind of make it back to him in the tenth round. Yeah, I mean, it's worth noting at this point that through the first three rounds, we saw 12 of them off the board, but now we're almost through round nine. Uh, there's still eight teams starters. We have 24 quarterbacks off the board through nine rounds. So, I mean, it, it, it peters out some, and then you're, you're kind of guessing where they're going to go, though. So, you know, you have to balance the risk with what you're looking at. Next to Noah Riddell, we have Nelson Sousa, who took Patrick Mahomes as the first quarterback off the board in round one. He hasn't taken another quarterback since. So it is his and one other team that are sitting with fewer than two quarterbacks now. We're going to talk about the other team in a few minutes. But uh, Nelson started with Mahomes, Antonio Gibson, CEH. Miles Gaskin was his fourth-round pick at RB17. So a little bit early for Gaskin. Clearly, he believes in Gaskin this year. Mike Evans is wide receiver 12. That's also a tiny bit earlier than positional ADP for Evans. Uh, Josh Jacobs in round six as his fourth running back. So it'll be interesting to see if he stops at four, takes maybe one more. Mm -hmm. Michael Thomas as the 27th wide receiver off the board. A lot of I'm going to believe in this guy picks for Nelson. I would be curious to know from him whether they are guys that in general he believes in for this season or if it's kind of chances he's taking to win in this particular format. Yeah. Let's see if we can't get Nelson on uh, one of these shows to get his takes on these guys. I'd I'd be interested to hear, you know, I mean, with Gaskin, if you expect him to play the role he did last year when, when he was healthy, you know, he's probably worth that pick at RB 17. You know, Thomas is just a bet on him probably beating, you know, the timeline we have for him so far and him staying healthy the rest of the way. And probably even Jameis Winston being under center for New Orleans. So it's a lot of ifs for me. It's too early. 
on Michael Thomas for, for my liking, but you know, Nelson obviously believes in him. It, it, interesting build having the one quarterback and also, you know, zero tight ends through nine rounds in this tight end premium format. So interested to see how he, you know, builds out the rest of this team. And we'll have to keep in mind as we're reviewing these drafts afterward that there might have been some auto picks mixed in for some teams here. So <laughs> we'll, we'll ask about some of the more interesting picks. We'll have some of these drafters on as podcast guests, but some of them might not be because maybe it was picks that they didn't mean to get. Jarvis Landry followed Michael Thomas for Nelson's team. DJ Chark, the next wide receiver after that. Um, I agree it's earlier than I would take Michael Thomas. We'll see if that was a purposeful pick for him. I think one good thing about Michael Thomas at this point is that Traquan Smith and Marquez Callaway are going so late that you can handcuff Michael Thomas fairly easily toward the end of your draft and cushion the blow for whatever time Michael Thomas misses there. Um, Bob Harris has three quarterbacks now, took Ben Roethlisberger. And I was talking about old quarterbacks before. And Bob Harris now has Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Ben Roethlisberger. So he is not interested in you until you have had your first bout of arthritis. Combined age well over 100. <laughs> yes. But, hey, I, I, th- I think it worked out for him, right? I mean, I yeah. think waiting and Big Ben's a nice QB 22, you know, and uh, he, he's his third and – uh, Crescenzo is going to be sending him some, some trade offers, I think, for, uh, for, for a quarterback. <laughs> so for Bob's team, we had Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. He took Dalvin Cook first. Mark Andrews, David Montgomery in round five. Kenny Galladay is the 24th wide receiver off the board, so a little bit of belief in Kenny Galladay there, and then did not take Daniel Jones in round nine uh, for the stack there. So must think that Ben Roethlisberger has a greater outlook this year than Daniel Jones. Damian Harris in round eight, Cortland Sutton in round seven for Bob's team, uh, and Ben Roethlisberger, as we mentioned, in round nine. Pat Thorman at the one-two turn, sitting on two quarterbacks at this point. We mentioned Justin Herbert back in round three, got Trevor Lawrence in round five. Since that one, took Deontay Johnson in round six. Uh, Daryl Henderson off the board at RB23 in round seven. I think that's a fair level for Daryl Henderson. I, I would probably take him a couple more spots above that in running back ADP, but I think anywhere in that range is fair with plenty of upside beyond. Yeah. I like Pat's team a lot looking through it now. Um, you know, again, he gets McCaffrey sort of the anchor at running back. So he's only taken one more running back through, you know, over his, you know, uh, last eight picks here. He's strong at wide receiver Hopkins, CD lamb, Deontay Johnson, LaVisca Chenault, Mike Williams has, you know, two solid quarterbacks and Herbert and Trevor Lawrence. They're both stacked Herbert with Mike Williams, uh, Trevor Lawrence with, LaVisca Chenault. So, you know, to me, he, he has to, you know, build some running back depth, get his tight ends, but I, I like the start here for a pet. Yeah. I like, I love Visca. love Mike Williams. I'm, I'm starting to wonder though, is, is Visca maybe overvalued with like the thought of ETN getting all that like underneath work getting, you know, that's kind of concerns me is I, I don't see Visca as like a, like a downfield alpha. I see him as more of a, like an underneath slot type guy. And I'm wondering if ETN might, uh, might devalue him a little, a little bit. I I, mean, I think Visca's best after the catch, but I think I think he can be a downfield guy. And some of the stuff I've read out of Jacksonville, I think the new coaching staff sort of views him as more of a traditional wide receiver and less of that gadget player, which hurts a little. Like you, you wish he would continue to get the carries that you know we, we see help someone like Robert Woods and Tyree Kill add fantasy value. But I, I think the new staff views him as more of a traditional wideout. So you know, ETN might hurt a bit, but I I I, I think there's a you know there's a chance that. Chenault leads the, the Jags wide receivers and targets this season. I think he's going low enough to factor in some of that risk too. I mean, a wide receiver 37 in this particular draft, and that's right around where he tends to go, maybe even a little bit later. 
I, I think there's not a whole lot of risk from there. He can have just an okay season and finish there. And I think there's upside beyond that. When you're stacking with the quarterback too, I mean, there's certainly further upside uh, to picking Chenault in that range. So let's bring things back in the other direction. Um, already mentioned most of the picks. We did get a third quarterback for Noah Riddell's team, who we were talking about with Justin Fields and Matt Ryan before. Got Sam Darnold as QB 26 off the board in round 10. Pretty good quarterback three, I would say, for that team's build. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, I think he, he must have heard me on the on the podcast talking about Sam Darnold. But yeah, I think it's a great, I think it's a great pick. It's interesting because you get, you know, all these Panthers skill guys being drafted, you know, in the top seven rounds, right? And it's like, well, the, you know, who's the quarterback that's going to throw throw them the rock? Is it really the fact that we don't see much rushing upside for Darnold that pushes him so far back? Is it? You know, the fact that he, he he hasn't been great. I mean, I think getting away from Adam Gase is just the greatest thing that can happen to you as a football player. You know, we talk, you know, I said earlier, like coaches are idiots. I mean, he's at the Mount Rushmore of dumb coaches that knew that that, that knew the right people. You know what I mean? So I just think Darnold could 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 smash eight eighty PM. I don't know if he'll necessarily be a top ten quarterback, but with all those receivers there and Christian McCaffrey can take any catch eighty yards to the house, like I, I think he's, you know, QB 26, great pick, great spot for him. And I don't think if if he plays 17 games, I don't think there's any way he doesn't finish in the top, I don't know, 16 or 17. Mm, that's aggressive. <laughs> just saying. I mean, no, no, I mean, I mean, I mean, the nice thing about Darnold, that's kind of what I think Noah needs to do is just get in, get a third locked-in starter. You know, if Darnold doesn't get hurt, if he doesn't completely face plant, you know, he, he's going to start 17 games for Carolina. And I think that – is what was most important for, for Noah to get at that third quarterback spot. Yeah, I would have taken Daniel Jones as my guy there. But, I mean, if you prefer Sam Darnold to Daniel Jones, I can't argue too strongly against that, especially considering their relative um, surrounding weapons, which is Darnold certainly better set up in that area. Uh, Noah might have gotten a little bit lucky with Mike uh, Randall taking Taysom Hill as the 25th quarterback off the board, his third quarterback uh, in round 10. I mean – most of us expect it to be Jameis Winston for the Saints, but it's a competition. I mean, the Saints have indicated all along the way that it's a true competition. And last year we thought Jameis Winston was going to be the guy stepping in when Drew Brees went down, and it wasn't. So it could still be Taysom Hill, the quarterback there, and he could have Jalen Hurts upside for sure if he is the starter for the Saints this year. Right. I don't I don't mind Taysom Hill there. You know, it's you know a bit earlier than I would take him, but if it's your third quarterback, like you're not even if Taysom Hill only starts half the season or, you know, six games or like as your third quarterback is just kind of a bonus. And yeah, like, like you said, Matt, you know, when, when Hill is under center and when he, when he's starting, he, he's a good bet to give you top 10 production because of the rushing. Yeah. Taysom Hill's going to start this year. Like he might not start the season as the quarterback, but you know, he's going to play, you know, whether it's an injury to Winston or whether it's just frustrating interceptions by Winston. I mean, Winston is not, what you want at the helm. Hey, of this take, take it easy on, take it easy on Jameis. Okay. Now, I'm just saying without Michael Thomas, he's not the quarterback you want on this, on that team. I mean, listen, I know a guy that's got 50% ownership of Traquan Smith in the FFPC. Okay. I know, I know a guy, but, but you don't want Traquan Smith as your number one receiver with Jameis Winston at quarterback. So I think they, sh you know, it doesn't matter what I think, but I think they should go with, you know, uh, more of a read option with, with Taysom Hill, with Alvin Kamara, and you know the and the, the ground game until uh, Michael Thomas comes back, and then kind of see how it goes from there. But Taysom Hill is going to going to play. 
we cross nine o'clock in the Eastern time zone and it is hot take time from the crowd hammer over there. We've got Jameis Winston is definitely not starting every game, even if he wins the job this year. Uh, we got Sam Darnold is going to finish QB eight if he spends the whole season in the lineup. I, I like it. I'm just going to move on to another team and open it up to Adam. And let me know what his hottest take is from that team. Before we get away from Mike Randall's team, though, he did follow Logan Thomas with Robert Tunyon as tight end nine off the board. So, I mean, a couple of guys that have generally slipped outside of the top 12 going inside the top 10 to Mike Randall, playing a couple of flags with those tight ends. Do those surprise you as his two tight end picks, Jared? They do. Um, and, you know, Tom, like we said, Thomas was stacked with Fitzpatrick. So I'm sure that, you know, bumped Thomas up. Mike's rankings a few spots. Tunyon, that's you know three, four tight end spots too high for me. Tyler Higby at tight end twelve. Man, Sigmund Bloom's tight ends. Darren Waller, Kyle, Kyle Pitts. Yeah, Higby, that's that's going to be tough to tough to beat. Yeah, I really like his tight ends a lot. Obviously, you know Zach, Zach Wilson as the QB two is a little scary, um, but we'll see if he can, if he can add on to it. Not that there's you know much left. Yeah, we've got 28 quarterbacks off the board, uh, including Deshaun Watson, the most recent, and he got past uh, Sigmund Bloom's spot. So we'll see who Sigmund adds. I'm sure he's going to get another quarterback at some point. We'll see who he's eyeing at this point with 28 of those guys off the board. Andy Dalton's still on the board for somebody who believes Matt Nagy at this point. Going back to Jack's team, Jack Miller, we've talked about a few times. Um, since the Baker Mayfield pick, got Chase Claypool as wide receiver 29, Debo Samuel as wide receiver 35, Devontae Smith as wide receiver 41, Raheem Mostert as RB32, and then Elijah Moore as wide receiver 50 in round 11. Jared, any of those picks that you dislike? No, none of them. Um, you know, a lot of young bucks at wide receiver. He got the Debo stack with Trey Lance. You know, J- Jack's just hoping the same exact draft plan that he won with last year can, can win it for him again this year. And you can tell Jared's getting older because he's calling people young bucks now. <laughs> That's right. And listen, Jared, it's okay to not be on Devonta Smith right now. You could say it. He's hurt. Okay. It's it's all right. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Listen, I, I love him long-term. Um, I haven't been taking him in redraft. I, I don't see him getting the, the targets to pay off, you know, an ADP that was inside the top 35 wide receivers before the injury. I'm not sure where he's, where he's dropped to now. I'm more curious about Debo Samuel at wide receiver 35 than Devontae Smith at wide receiver 41 because it's easier for me to see the path to targets and paying off on those targets for Devontae Smith than it is for Debo after that incredibly short dot season last year. What do you think of, of Debo, uh, Jared? I think he's fine at wide receiver 35. I, you know, I, I think the gap between Ayuk and Debo Samuel and ADP is too big. I mean, in this draft, we had Ayuk at wide receiver 28. And Debo at wide receiver, wide receiver thirty five. I think that that's closer to what it should be. Um, I you know I know San Francisco is going to be a run leaning offense, especially with Lance under center, but it's also a concentrated offense. It is Kittle, Ayuk, and Samuel, and that's about it. So, um, and Debo's another guy that does some some stuff on the ground, or at least he did in previous seasons. So that that helps too. I think I'm coming around to the idea that Ayuk should actually have more separation between him and Debo because he is the truer wide out more of the downfield guy commanded some target share. Granted it was with a, a lot of injury time for the other guys last year, but I, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if I've been too low on Ayuk to this point, if I, I'm, I guess, undervaluing his upside this season. Yeah. I'm glad to hear you say that, Matt, because I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel the same, the same way too. Um, 
you know, there's just so many weapons there in the passing game. There, you know, you got Kittle, you got Debo, but I think Ayuk, there's a path there for him to be really good. Their schedule, you know, and again, shout out to you on that um, on DraftSharks.com. You did the wide receiver, well, you did all of them, but the wide receiver strength of schedule. His schedule is such an outlier, easy that like he could um, he could absolutely smash if he if him and Trey Lance. Get get that connection. Ayuk, I need to, I need to get more shares of because I could see um, him being that downfield threat. Debo being the underneath guy. Obviously, Kittle's going to get his. Although I am a little bit lower on Kittle this year, um, but yeah, I think I need to get some more some more Ayuk. Interesting report lately that Kittle is not catching a ton of passes through the first few days of training camp. You'd like to just discard that and say, it's George Kittle. They're going to throw him the ball. Clearly they like him and it's just, you know, a blip while they work to other guys, but you know, we'll see. I'll be interested to see where that goes. Well, that, that, that offense is just going to look so much different Mm -hmm. if and when Trey Lance is under center. I think there's just kind of a lot of unknown there. So, you know, that, you know, that, and, and the thing with Debo and Ayuk, I, I just think Debo's a, guy that we've sort of all forgotten how good he is just because he missed the majority of last season. And the durability stuff is definitely a concern. But I, I just – as a talent, I just don't think there's much of a gap between Ayuk and, and Debo Samuel. Yeah, we have to remind the audience or let anybody who's new know that Jared's type is the wide receiver who is a running back hiding in a wide receiver number. So, I mean, there's a little bit of that bias going on here. You'll hear him talk about LaVisca Chenault, Debo Samuel, Rondale Moore. So if you are running back playing wide receiver, you are Jared's guy. Give me those capsules. Give me those rushing attempts. It all, it all adds up. <laughs> rushing sure. attempts. All right. Well, let's move on from Debo talk because I, I certainly don't think he's a bad pick at that level, just somebody worth discussing. Um, so we talked about Sigmund's team a little bit. Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts were the early picks. Dak Prescott, the early quarterback, added Zach Wilson as his second quarterback in round nine. In between, Tyler Boyd, Odell Beckham, Amari Cooper – so I think there's a good mix of upside, you know, also throwing in McCole Hardman in in uh, round 11. There's a, a nice mix of a base with Darren Waller, um, one of the top quarterbacks with Dak Prescott, and then some who could go in either direction, Amari Cooper with the ankle. We've got another floor with uh, Tyler Boyd, but more ceiling with the other wideouts I mentioned. It's an interesting team to watch. It's going to be one to keep an eye on going forward, Adam. Yeah, for sure. I like, and I like the way, um, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously super high on me cold this year. Um, you know, and even Tyree kills got that tendonitis issue going on right now, but I think, you know, I think Tyree kill or sorry, me can get, can get better. Right. I mean, he's only going into his th- third year and, um, I really like that this start for, for SIG being able to get those three tight ends and, you know, he, this might be, this might be one of the few teams that can afford to not start a uh, second quarterback in the, in the flex because Higby um, and Pitts have that have that huge upside, right? The, with, the, with the tight end premium, so um, you know, and even having getting AJ Dillon there, um, you know, he's if there's an injury to Aaron Jones or he even has some some standalone value. Um, I like the way Sig's b- building this team out. Speaking of the upside that could also crash, Deshaun Watson round eleven. Deshaun Kerner's team mentioned he started with John John Josh Allen. So he laid that base of a top-level quarterback. I, I just still I still hate him, uh, Adam. We have to be uh, inaccurate. I think it's uh, appropriate given his history. Jalen Hurts, you know, the upside-downside. Deshaun Watson could ultimately smash, could play zero games this year. Um, round 11, what do you think about Deshaun Watson as a bet at this point, Jared? Love it. Um, yeah, I think you, you want to be aiming for upside in your double-digit rounds of drafts. You want to be aiming for upside with a third quarterback. Similar story with you know Mike taking 
Taysom Hill as his third quarterback. You, you can afford to take on more risk at that spot. Now, you know, Sean, Sean did take Hertz, who has you know some risk, I think, as a third-round pick, as a guy you know we just haven't seen much of. But, hey, you know, the rumors are, you know, Deshaun Watson to Philadelphia. So, I guess even if that happens, he's okay. He at least has, you know, the Eagles starting quarterback locked up. Yeah, maybe he'll have the Texans starter if Hurts goes in the other direction in that trade. <laughs> Following his Deshaun Watson pick was Michael Pittman at wide receiver 55. We talked about Jonathan Taylor slipping with the injuries in Indy. I mean, it has to affect Michael Pittman as well. Wide receiver 55. I haven't really seen what Michael Pittman's ADP has done over the, like, the past two days. Not that we've had a whole lot of time to react to it yet. Adam, do you think that's an appropriate level for Michael Pittman right now? Yeah, I mean, Wentz isn't going to miss the whole year. I, I was starting to really come around on him too because they need a receiver there to step up. You know what I mean? So I think Pittman could have certainly been that guy. Why well, receiver 55? I mean, you know, absolutely. At, at this point, you're throwing, you're throwing darts, but um, he could be the alpha one there. Um, and I think if he can – what is he? Is four, fifth receiver? So, yeah, hold on to him, um, and hopefully when, when Wentz gets back, everything's clicking. By the way, I should um, go back to the Sam Darnold talk on Noah Riddell's team, and he says Darnold has plenty of rushing upside, so not worried about that. Um, obviously, he was watching that, what, 44-yard touchdown run against the Broncos mm-hmm. on a Thursday night last year. But looking back, Elliot Chris's team started out with Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. Um, we mentioned him a couple times before. He has three running backs now through round 12, followed Jonathan Taylor with Travis Etienne a few rounds later as the 24th running back off the board. Leonard Fournette was the 35th running back off the board. So I think solid value on all of those guys with a bunch of wideouts mixed in in between. Yeah, I mean, obviously a risky draft build with only the three running backs through uh, round 12 there. I, you know, I like the three guys he got again. I think Taylor was a fair value at RB 13 at this point. ETN's guy I've drafted kind of a, a lot more than I thought I would just because of where he's dropping RB 24 here. Like I just think a team spends a first round pick on a running back. I think ETN's very good. I mean, he, you know, he posted monster numbers at a, you know, big time college program at Clemson tested well, uh, at his pro day. So I, I, I just think he's, he's going to be a big part of that offense, you know, whether, he does it alongside James Robinson or whether he sort of pushes Robinson aside. Um, and, and a lot of that's going to come in the passing game, which is obviously what we want in a full PPR league like this. So I think he's at RB 24 is good. And, and Leonard Fournette's a guy I've had to get myself to stop drafting just because I don't know. I just, I just think I just like the ceiling on a guy who I think has a chance to be the lead ball carrier and the lead target getter in, in the backfield for, you know, an offense that should be top five in the NFL in points. So I've been taking a lot of Leonard Fournette. We'll, we'll see how that shakes out. I mean, you don't want to take anybody every time, but there's really no reason not to draft Leonard Fournette in a best ball league. I think when you get to a lineup setting format, it, it's going to be frustrating in Tampa Bay. We're not going to know every week who the running back is to start. And there will be weeks where you get it wrong. So I can see disliking Fournette there. I think best ball when he's going well into RB3 territory, there is nothing but upside from there. Because if he is, he doesn't have to be the lead running back. Even if he's the top scoring running back for the Bucks this year, it's going to be a valuable guy to have on your roster. Yeah, I like I like the build. I mean, he's going to absolutely smash at quarterback. Um, he's going to he's going to smash at receiver just due to the volume, right? I mean, he's got a couple really really good ones, Jefferson, Robinson, more. Um, but he's also got, you know, six, seven of them, you know, so he's going to, he's going to have, uh, you know, monster weeks there. 
Um, it's just running back. He's he's thin, but I think he's he'll probably add some more. But you only you only need to start two. So I think um, if he can get a couple of uh, you know maybe zero RB candidates later on, some guys who catch passes or. Or if he can get some of these, uh, Jamal Williams is gone, David Johnson. So yeah, there, there's, there's a couple targets. James Conner's gone. So a lot of the guys that you might want to take here to kind of supplement it are gone. But again, he's just gonna if his running backs stay healthy, uh, I think he's in really good shape. He does he does need to add another tight end or two. I think that if I had that team, you don't need it, but he had two shots at Jameis Winston before he came off the board in round 11 or round 13. I'm sorry, as the 29th quarterback off the board, I think I would have taken Jameis Winston over Jalen Waddle. Um, Leonard Fournette was the, la- the next pick there. So Jalen Waddle versus Jameis Winston. I think I would have gone that direction. Also passed on Carson Wentz just now to take Corey Davis. So I think I would have liked to have seen one of those picks be that third quarterback, especially with those guys still on the board, not needing either to hit. I mean, you'll be okay if they don't work out. Uh, but there's upside to that third guy at that range. Yeah, I, Wentz would have made sense for that team. I, I don't have Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson's buys in front of me, but you know, assuming they're not in the first, you know, five six weeks of the season, Wentz would have made sense as a guy who you know should be back on the field by the time Kyler and Lamar have their buys. But I, I honestly don't mind just taking those two elite quarterbacks and being done at the position. You know, mm-hmm. Kyler and Lamar are both probably going to post top twelve numbers in like you know fourteen or fifteen weeks. And even when they don't, again, it's super flex best ball though. So you, you can have, you know, one of your wide receivers go off, you know, like we said, Elliot has, you know, seven wide receivers. He, you know, he can have one of those receivers fill that super flex spot and be okay. We're going to stick with this draft for a few more minutes, but not too much longer. Adam's going to turn into a pumpkin. You can already see his chin heading in that direction. Um, we did have finally some quarterbacks go to Anthony Crescenzo's team. And it's interesting that he waited until round 13, waited until the 30th quarterback, and still got two guys that are probably going to start the most games for their teams this year. Now, we could quibble over whether Cam Newton is one of those guys, but let's run through his roster real quick and get to those quarterbacks that were just picks. Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, the first two rounds, Keenan Allen in round three, then Miles Sanders, Chase Edmonds, Chris Godwin, Brandon Cooks, Juju Smith-Schuster, Devontae Parker, then Zach Ertz as the tight end 11. So some belief in Ertz, I guess, staying in Philly there, or maybe going somewhere where he's the top guy. Hunter Henry as tight end 17. Then Anthony Ferkser as tight end 18. And then his last two picks, Carson Wentz, Cam Newton. So I think we're all probably not expecting Carson Wentz to be his starter for the first couple of weeks. We'll see a 5 to 12 week return timeline. So we're all guessing how long that'll actually be. But Carson Wentz should play at some point, and he should be the Colts starter once he's ready, unless they do import Nick Foles. Cam Newton, that that's a good value at this stage of the draft. Not somebody I was even thinking about, but Cam Newton has high weekly upside whenever he is in the lineup for the Patriots. Yeah, that's really good value on Newton there. Um, the patience to wait wait that out. Um, you know, and maybe he takes Jacob Eason too, so he's got you know another quarterback to start uh, in there if he needs to. Uh, until until Wentz comes back, so I think he, you know, I'm surprised he took Wentz over Newton there. Just worried that maybe um, Guilds or Geller Geller would take him because he need he needs he needed a starter week week one. So to kind of I would I would have flip flopped those picks, but um but yeah, it ended up working out for him. My thing is like I just wish I just wish he would have taken different different players. Like the build isn't as horrible now to me, but you know he's not going to be good at tight end compared to some other other teams. You know, he passed on 
some really good receivers for Miles Sanders and Chase Admins, I think. So um, to me, I still don't love love the build, but um, he's going to need a lot more help at quarterback too. I think Jared Goff too at QB 30 might have been the pick because he's the guy who's going to be starting at quarterback for his team. You sure. don't have to worry about the injury. You don't have to worry about a rookie stepping in for him. So, I mean, w- when you get to the point where you're like, that guy should have taken Jared Goff, then you know it's a unique build and we're going to have to see what happens <laughs> with it. Yeah, Jared Goff is a guy you, you never want to take in, in best ball, but, I mean, he, he's actually a solid pick because he's going to start all 17 games, assuming he's healthy. And, you know, any quarterback that starts all 17 games is, you know, likely to give you, like, you know, three or four top 12 weeks. So, Goff's a nice pick there. And, you know, Anthony's team, I, I'm just curious to see how it works out. Um, you know, I wouldn't build a team like that, but I'm curious to see how it plays out. At, you know, at least Wentz and Newton are at least a good pair because I do think – Newton will be under center early in the season while Wentz is out. And then hopefully, you know, by the time, um, you know, Newton maybe hits the bench for, for Mac Jones, Wentz is back. So at least he should have one starting quarterback for the entire season. And then, you know, you got to hope the rest of your roster kind of fills in from there. Lots of interesting stuff from this first night. Lots of teams that are going to be worth watching as we go forward. And this draft still has another 11 rounds to go. So we're going to recap all of it on the website uh, we will talk to some of our most intriguing drafters, I think, from each of the drafts. We still have streams left on five more nights, Wednesday night at 8 o'clock Eastern, Thursday night at 9 o'clock Eastern, same times next week, 8 o'clock Tuesday, 8 o'clock Wednesday, 9 o'clock Thursday. We're going to go ahead and end it for tonight, though. Um, you can find all of this. You can find all the information. You can find all our rankings, of course, on DraftSharks.com. You can find all of us on Twitter. You can find all of the drafters from here. Uh, on Twitter that we've linked to most of them from the draft sharks timeline. So be sure to check out any of those guys that you might be unfamiliar with and all the drafters yet to come. It should be an exciting event. Just like last year, we're honored to have all these folks drafting with us, looking forward to the action that lies ahead for Jared Smola, Adam Krautwurst, the entire draft sharks crew. Thanks very much for joining us for night one of the draft sharks invitational. And thanks so much for swimming with us. <laughs>